The self-realized soul can impart knowledge unto you because he has seen the truth. He's self-realized. He knows the truth. You can't give somebody the truth if you don't have it. You can't yeah. pass on what you don't have. <laughs> and that's why so many people pass on nonsense, you know, because <laughs> they don't have the truth. Yeah, yeah. And if you're downstream receiving the nonsense, then what do you got? You know? <laughs> it's, it's so much, you know, nowadays about, oh, that's fake news. And misinformation and, yeah. Misinformation and disinformation and on and on. Mm. And it is, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But if you're downstream from one of these pseudo-gurus, not bona fide, illegitimate is a good word to say, mm -hmm. illegitimate guru, then you're going to get fake news and disinformation and misinformation, and misguidance, and everything you don't want. Hey there, this is Ruben and the Breaking Trail podcast. We are going to have a closer look at guru or spiritual teacher today. Quite perhaps a heavy topic, but a very, very important topic to help you navigate the big landscape of the teachers that are out there. And it's so essential to our life. So we hope that you will get inspired and have some more wisdom to bring with you in your uh, choices forward in life. So we're gonna start there. So uh, I was just debating with Lynn before we had this talk what we should call it, and it and it made me made me aware of something that the word what we're going to discuss today seems quite scary the word the word guru seems very scary and you have it's like they have so much misconceptions so many misunderstandings and so much lack of information on what what a real guru is what what a real spiritual teacher what, what that means so yeah that, that's just and for good reason because those who are you know somehow familiar with or been involved with some guru. Yeah. There's been so many cheaters and exploiters and, yeah. you know, people who have just destroyed the meaning of that name. I mean, exactly. that title is so special, but now it's become almost like something to run from. Yeah. Because of people who go under that title have proved to be absolute charlatans. And so, yeah, it's it's a it's a sad thing, but that's that's how it is, you know. Mm. So either seen as a cult, or you know something from the devil, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or you know, or whatever, depending on how you look at it. Or oh, I was involved, and you know, I got exploited or cheated by or yeah. taken advantage of by my guru right right you know and that's just i remember yeah years ago when when we had our uh commune yoga commune in in Kauai, hawaii mm -hmm. and one guy came there and he stayed with us for a while some weeks and i know that he really liked to chant and he we were of course studying bhagavad gita and so on but he was always just a little bit standoffish you know he wouldn't mm -hmm. really go but so far and so one day we were working together and i asked him well i noticed this about you can you comment on it uh -huh. and he said well i was involved with this group and this we had our guru and i became his right hand person and you know he just basically left it up to me to organize things and get things done and whatever, whatever. Mm. So he was very intimately involved with this guru. Yeah. But every night this guru had an apartment and he would go up to his apartment and they wouldn't see him till the next day. And so one night some 
emergency came up or something. And he had to go up and, you know, talk to the guru about this. And he goes up and knocks on the door. And the guru opens the door, invites him to come in. And the guru's sitting there watching television, drinking wine, and eating meat. Wow. And he said, oh, welcome. Come on in. I'll show you what gurus do at night, you know. And it just blew him away so much that he just didn't want to have anything to do with wow. that subject, you know. And uh, and that was years ago. I was in the early 70s, you know, probably yeah. 71 yeah, or two. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, this is, this is how it is. So he was totally involved, basically surrendered to this person, and that was his experience. So whether you've been directly involved or read articles about, you know, various gurus and their shenanigans or, or whatever, it's put a really, really bad light on yeah. the subject. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. if, if, I mean, and naturally, if you get burnt, then you will shy away from fire. You will, you will be really careful around. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's the problem now. This 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 wonderful title of guru has been so degraded because of this kind of you know fake pseudo mm. representatives of that title. Right. That uh, yeah, you talk to somebody now about a true guru and. They've already rejected you before they start. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you've you've put into yeah. a category. You've put into the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so then that's yeah, and then you have the other side, uh, a word that is used more in our scriptures is spiritual master, and then <laughs> the word master makes people feel like oh, it's about dominating, and he wants to be over people, and he wants to control people, and that's that's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you never. So yeah, unless you meet a real guru or have some faith in the scriptures that describe a true guru, mm. or you meet someone who you trust that can enlighten you to the meaning of true guru, then you pretty much don't have a chance, you know. <laughs> And, and actually, this is the most critical thing in a person's spiritual life, which is our real life, is that we need a guru. So we had some some quotes. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that we were going to read. This is this is from Bhagavad Gita, and we've said it unlimited times. This is, you know, our main scripture that we study, and you know, is accepted as an absolute authority on the truth only if it's been translated and brought to us in its pure form. Because mm -hmm. the Bhagavad Gita has been changed unlimited times too and translated in various different ways to suit the agenda of the translator or, you know, to present this truth in a way that is not true. Yeah. And so on. So again, we've we're dealing with all these adversities that appear, you know, in the Kali Yuga, that make it very difficult <laughs> for a person to really feel comfortable with the scriptures or the guru or yeah. you know the truth in general, and and so on. Yeah, but but hopefully we'll. That's what we're trying to do, and that's what we're wanting to do to explain it, to take it down to your level, whoever's listening, and try to look at these things and and give you an understanding and explain things in a the proper light, so that it will hopefully ring true in your heart and and it, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's our purpose. <laughs> yeah. So we all ask you to give us an ear. You know, just you know. Try to stay neutral and and see if you can comprehend that what we're presenting is on the, a different level. Yeah. You know. So we'll read a, a quote from Bhagavad Gita. 
And uh, you can read it. Uh, do, this do, is from chapter 2, text number 7. Yeah. Uh, now I am confused about my duty and have lost all composure because of weakness. In this condition, I am asking you to tell me clearly what is best for me. Now I am your disciple and a soul surrendered unto you. Please instruct me. And perhaps you can give some context for that before we read the purport. Well, number one, to make it clear, this is from Bhagavad Gita, and the Bhagavad Gita is a conversation between the Supreme Lord and his disciple Arjuna. Right. So the conversation is between Lord Krishna, who is the Supreme Person, and Arjuna, who was his dear friend and disciple. Right. And so there was this, you know, very big decision that Arjuna had to make. And whether to engage in this battle of Kurukshetra, it's a long story, I won't try to go too far, you know, or his gut feeling was just don't get involved, walk away. Yeah. Now, Arjuna was a, a warrior, but not just another warrior. He was one of the greatest, and in some categories, the greatest warrior of all warriors, anywhere and everywhere. So this was his profession from birth. I mean, he was, he was not new to this subject. He wasn't drafted, some kid that was drafted and didn't want to go. I mean, this was his life, you know. But he always was involved in fighting for the, the righteous, the honorable yeah. causes. He yeah. wasn't just some, you know, strong man going out and trying to show how great a warrior he was. No. I mean, his whole focus was to uphold the good in society. And that's why this was such a tough situation for him, because he really cared about the people. He didn't want to just cause harm, but he wanted the good. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's so involved. You know, I don't want we, yeah, we yeah, we to go too far there. But in other words, he was confused. What? Right. See, he had a duty. The duty in the Vedic system, the Kshatriyas, which he was, that's the warrior class, their duty was to protect the citizens and all citizens and, and to uphold the standard of righteousness. That was the duty, see. But because of this exact situation, it was so personal and he was opposing friends and relatives and, and teachers and all kinds of things that he was confused about his duty. Well, should I do this or should I not do this? I mean, this is not ordinary. This is very extraordinary, very right. personal, very, you know, involved here mm. on many, many levels. So he's saying that I have lost all composure because of weakness. It's actually weakened him. Now, he's got doubts. He's got hesitations. He's got emotional involvement, all kinds of things. There's actually taken away his prowess, his strength, see. In this condition, I am asking you to tell me clearly what is best for me. So he knows he's in a, a really bad condition. Yeah. And he doesn't really feel he has the, the, the clarity and, and, and the intelligence and, and so on because of this confusion and weakness to make the decision himself. Mm. So he's turning it over to Krishna. Please tell me what is best for me. Now I am your disciple and a soul surrendered unto you. Please instruct me. And that's the position of a disciple. He turns his life over to the spiritual master, the spiritual teacher. And so in this exact situation, Krishna is the spiritual master. Arjuna is the disciple. And yeah, and we can. And so that's what he's saying. Yeah, and and we can read it. I can, or you can read if you want the purport, and and, and that's a good, like explanation of, or or going to more depth in that. Yeah. Can, and notice the last thing he says. Okay, I don't know. Basically, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what's best for me. I'm confused. I'm weak. You know, please instruct me. Yeah. You tell me what to do. You know, so that's that's the setting. And mm -hmm. 
and Krishna, his spiritual master, doesn't just tell him you should do this. No, he says he explains everything, and and so that Arjuna, it will make sense to Arjuna. He gives him the knowledge so that he can, in the end of the Bhagavad Gita, then make the choice himself what he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. So that's all. So he he starts that second chapter is really where the instruction to Arjuna begins, and he's explaining, you know, who he is and. What his purpose in life is, et cetera, et cetera. That's the that's the whole rest of the Bhagavad Gita. Exactly. The answer to that question is a whole <laughs> remaining part of the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who translated this Bhagavad Gita as it is from its original Sanskrit to English, and then since then it's been translated into many various languages. Mm. But in his comment on this exact verse, he says, by nature's own way, the complete system of material activities is a source of perplexity for everyone. Mm. So the material world is a perplexing, confusing, <laughs> difficult place. <laughs> the complete system of material activities. In every step, there is perplexity, and therefore it behooves one to approach a bona fide spiritual master who can give one proper guidance for executing the purpose of life. Like behooves means like you need to, or... Yeah, it, it's, it behooves you, it's good for you, it's right. recommended for you right. to do this, to approach a bona fide spiritual master who can give proper guidance... Mm -hmm executing the purpose of life. Now, many, many things connected with this subject. Number one, the spiritual master is not just an ordinary person, and this is so important to understand. Mm. Spiritual master is not just another person. Maybe he's read a lot of scripture. Maybe he's studied this, this bhakti yoga. Maybe he's you know, no, this is not that category. This is not a scholarly person. This is a person who is transcendentally empowered by the Supreme Lord himself, transcendentally empowered. He doesn't just have a head full of knowledge that he can spout out, you know, information <laughs> and verses and so on. But he has this empowerment because of his surrender to and love for his spiritual master and ultimately the Supreme Lord. So this transcendental empowerment qualifies him to be in this position of guiding one in executing the purpose of life. So he is. And the purpose of life is spiritual purification, spiritual realization. And ultimately, spiritual surrender and service to the Supreme Lord. So he doesn't see that's the purpose of life. No, I, I, and he doesn't see himself as the Supreme Lord or wants to take that position. And but instead, he hooks up into the outlet, like you're hooking up into the you know the electricity in the wall. Like he's just a medium for that knowledge and just passing it on. And that's so again coming back to the point that he doesn't enjoy and he doesn't want to be. The center. That's not why he, why he comes or why he, why he's teaching, to be someone or yes, to impress people. Yeah, that's the Lord's system that you approach me through my devotee. Mm. the The Lord has a system in place, so you know His system is, don't come to me directly, but go through my representative, just like a a president or you know, CEO of a big corporation, whatever. You know, you can't just walk up to them and knock on the door and sit down and say, hey, man, what's going on? I say, you know, I got this question. <laughs> you go through the proper channels. You go through the secretary or you go through, you know, the minister of whatever it is. You know, you, that's just the system. That's, that's the system. So the Lord's system is like that. You approach me, you come to me through my representative. Mm. You know, just like the ambassador to a country. That's what his position is. You reach, you know, the top level of our government through 
me who has the ambassador. And then he's connected with somebody else and whatever. So anyway, that's just to make it clear that there is a system that is in place, and we can't change the system. See, we just can't step up and say, oh, that's not the way I want to do it. I'm going to do it another way. So all Vedic literatures advise us to approach a bona fide spiritual master to get free from the perplexities of life, which happen without our desire. <clears throat> See, not just one scripture, but all Vedic literature yeah. gives this advice. And it, you'll never see this written where it doesn't say bona fide spiritual master. Yeah. That means a qualified, transcendental representative of the Supreme Lord. That's bona fide. Not just somebody who stands up and puts a guru label on himself and <laughs> says, I'm guru, come to me. And that's something that we can come back to perhaps after this to speak about what a bona fide guru and how you can know who is a bona fide guru. But yeah. Yeah. So just just notice that word, bona fide. Yes. So you approach to get free from the, all the perplexities of life, you see, which come without our desire. They are like a forest fire that somehow blazes without being set by anyone. Similarly, the world situation is such that perplexities of life automatically appear without our wanting such confusion. No one wants fire, and yet it takes place, and we become perplexed. The Vedic wisdom, therefore, advises that in order to solve the perplexities of life and to understand the science of the solution, one must approach a spiritual master who is in the disciplic succession. So that is a very clear explanation. Yeah. So who can deny that perplexities of life come basically automatically? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And we experience that then. all the time, every day. <laughs> you know, we don't want this to happen. We don't want it to be like that, but it is. You know. And so we we have to deal with it, but we need to have some help. See, this is one of the requirements. We have to understand. Like Arjuna did. I'm weak. I'm perplexed. I'm confused. You know, what should I do? I don't know what to do. Yeah. This takes some humility to admit that I don't know what to do. Yeah. Because normally we're quite arrogant. Oh, I don't need any help. Don't tell me what to do. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, or if we do come to a place where we see I need help. We don't go to a spiritual master. We go to some material, you know, source like a psychologist, a psychiatrist, you know, whatever, you know, or, you know, some life coach or <laughs> some guru who doesn't have the ability to help us at all. He doesn't even know himself what to do. So this is, uh, this is also, you know, a qualification. One must come to that point like Arjuna did. And if he's sincere, then the Lord will guide him to his representative. Yeah. Yeah. But if we're not sincere, then we'll get, you know, something far less than that. <laughs> and that's how, unfortunately, it is, you know. <laughs> mm. Uh, we must understand the science of the solution. Hmm. And that's spiritual science. That's not material science. You know, like we, you know, often hear from our spiritual master about the science of identity. Bhagavad Gita in the second chapter talks about the science of identity. And this is not something they derive from a laboratory. You know, this is handed down truth. It says right here, one must approach a spiritual master who is in the disciplic succession. Hmm. 
Now, what does disciple succession mean? What is that? No, that's a good mm. question. Yeah. No, you know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you learn from someone who has learned from someone. It's not that that person is is himself inventing it, but you're hooking up to, or they also call it parampara, the 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 line of spiritual teachers with which originates with the supreme person himself that that is just passing down this knowledge those yeah exactly so it's called disciplic succession because it's a succession of the master the original being the supreme lord mm. speaks the truth to his disciple in this case it was arjuna then the disciple receives it and becomes qualified master to pass it to his disciple who receives it and becomes qualified to pass it to his disciple and so it comes down master disciple master disciple etc cetera, etc cetera, and it's intact right till today mm. this is not like some thing that happened thousands of years ago mm. no right to the moment this is current. Maybe I can read a purport on this from Bhagavad Gita in text uh, in chapter four, text forty-two, because uh, this is exactly about this. It explains this very, very clearly. Where Bhaktivedanta Swami says, "A bona fide spiritual master is in the disciplic succession from time eternal, and he does not deviate at all from the instructions of the supreme Lord, as they were imparted millions of years ago." to the sun god from whom the instructions in Bhagavad Gita have come down to the earthly kingdom. One should therefore follow the path of Bhagavad Gita as it is expressed in the Gita itself and beware of self-interested people after personal aggrandizement who deviate others from the actual path. So this (laughs) makes it very clear. Yeah, very clear. And that's another, you know, qualification of a bona fide spiritual master. You know, we'll talk about that, you say, later, but they must be in this disciplic succession, and that's why it's it's emphasized in this purport. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's just the transcendental system, you know. And then in, in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 4, text 34, there's this, we'll say, well-known quote about the spiritual master. Mm. It says, just try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master. Inquire from him submissively and render service unto him. The self-realized soul can impart knowledge unto you because he has seen the truth. So that's the Lord's instructions. How do you learn the truth? By approaching a spiritual master. Again, that, that reveals this is the system. This person has the truth. Approach this person to receive that truth. And he even clarifies how. Inquire from him submissively. This is also completely necessary. Submissive inquiry, submissive hearing. If we approach the source of this truth, the spiritual master, with arrogance, with challenging attitude, you know, okay, what about this? What about that? (laughs) You know, like we're challenging him to prove something or whatever. This won't work. This this will not work. You will not receive that. Even if it's spoken, you will not understand it. See? So submissive hearing, submissive, you know, inquiry is, is, again, paramount. You must have that attitude. And what else? Render service to him. Not just try to get something and do nothing. You serve the spiritual master. 
That establishes your sincerity. That establishes the relationship. That establishes the, you know, the bond, so to speak, between, you know, the student, disciple, and the spiritual master. See, you're taking the proper position. You're the master. I'm the student. You're the master. I'm the servant. Mm. You're the man, person, not man, but you're the person filled with knowledge. I'm the person who's confused. I'm the person who's perplexed. See, that's proper. That's, that's what Arjuna did. I am a soul surrendered unto you. You know? but, but but that position, uh, <laughs> that that requirement is, I guess, what makes it scary, <laughs> because being in that position, you're very vulnerable, and and you might feel that you're weak, and because you're not, you're realizing that you're not in full control. You don't know everything, but you actually have you you need help. You you are. That's yeah. that's true, and that's why very few people are are really qualified to approach a spiritual master. Right. Right. See. But 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 it requires time, doesn't it? You can't. It's hard to be submissive in the very beginning, <laughs> because you don't trust the person. You don't know if this is a it true takes, representative it, or. Definitely, it takes time. Just like the first time you meet somebody, yeah, you don't just give your life to that no. person. <laughs> you know, if you do, you're foolish. You have to get to know them. You have to spend time. You have to observe them you have to establish a a relationship of trust you know and as that evolves then your ability and willingness to serve them to surrender to them to let them help you to take care of your life increases yeah so we're not saying this is an overnight cheap thing yeah Yeah. and that's so important to understand you know, that's why our philosophy is not a conversion philosophy, mm. where we want everybody to just convert and come up and bow down and declare your allegiance. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is exactly the opposite thing. Our philosophy is no, you have your doubts, you have your, you know, skepticism, you observe, you. You make sure that what you're doing is what you should be doing, mm. et cetera, mm. you know? And, uh, yeah, that's very, very important. So that's why it's, it's, you know, stated by the Lord himself, inquire from him submissively and render service unto him. The self-realized soul can impart knowledge unto you because he has seen the truth. He self-realized. He knows the truth. You can't give somebody the truth if you don't have it. You can't pass on what you don't have. And that's why so many people pass on nonsense, you know, because they don't have the truth. Yeah, yeah. And if you're downstream receiving the nonsense, then what do you got? You know, there's <laughs> so much, you know, nowadays about oh that's fake news and misinformation and yeah misinformation and disinformation and on and on and it is it's true (laughs) (laughs) but if you're downstream from one of these pseudo gurus not bona fide illegitimate is a good word to say Mm -hmm. illegitimate guru then you're going to get fake news and disinformation and misinformation and misguidance and everything you don't want. I, I guess it's time then to, to, to really look at that closer. Like, how do we know then if I'm, the, you know, how do you know that, that a person is, is bona fide and how do you, how do you tell the <laughs> difference? Because you, you have, of course, a lot of sheep in wolf's clothing and or maybe more wolves in sheep clothing <laughs> yeah that's the <laughs> more, <way>. more the... <laughs> not sheeps and wolf clothing <laughs> they usually don't dress up like wolves <laughs> maybe not 
<laughs> oh, I feel it. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> but uh, yes. yeah, it's you know, it's it's commonplace. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's commonplace. And and you you just go to YouTube and you see you based on the appearance and based on the millions of views that this person has. So we don't need to go into names, but there are so many of them. But but are they really bona fide spiritual master? And people listen to these guys and they come to our meditation classes or talk to me, and I've experienced this so many times. There's just so much confusion and misunderstandings, and <laughs> so so how do we know? Then and how can we tell the difference between? Well, let's just start with: if a person is not really sincere, they're not going to know. Hmm. That that's really the bottom line. But there are some external guidelines that we can, you know, use to kind of check it out, make a decision. Number one, the bona fide spiritual master must be in a bona fide disciplic succession. He must be in this disciplic line that we've just discussed. Mm -hmm. So you've got many gurus who are connected with any disciplic line. You know, well, where did you, where did you get your qualification from? Oh, I was sitting in meditation one day and this came to me. Or... You know, I was on top of a mountain and I just had this realization. Or mm -hmm. who knows? Mm -hmm. Or I read a few books and and thought, oh, I spent you know ten years in India. You know, or you know whatever. Oh, but what disciplic line are you in? Do you have a guru? Many don't have a guru, but if they do, if you look at that lineage. It might go back one guru, two, three, four, five, six, and that's it. Yeah. Where did it start from? Oh, this mystic in the Himalayas. You know? And so this is one way you can check. Is the the so-called guru or the perspective guru that you're looking at? Is he in a, a disciplic line that extends back to since time immemorable? Thousands and millions of years, easy or not. I mean, that's one obvious thing you can you can observe. Mm. So that's one. Number two, he must be speaking the same message, the same truth that's contained in Scripture. Now, what does that mean? That means you got to know what's in Scripture. So it means you have to do some research. You know, because if you don't have any idea what's said in Scripture, here's some guy just spouting off things that are in great contradiction to Scripture. But you don't know that, or you because might, you don't know what Scripture says at all. And you might know what what is what Scripture means. <laughs> you don't even know what Scripture. You don't know what is a real Scripture and what is a a non-real yeah, Scripture. Right. And a lot of these guys write a book, and you think that's the Scripture. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Oh, they write this book and that book and another book, and and that's what you've read. And so, oh, well, that's what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he wrote the book. <laughs> Surprise. Of course he's saying that. Because he wrote the book. No, we're talking about bona fide Vedic scriptures that go back again since time immemorial, coming down through this disciplic line, etc. So that means you got to do some homework, you know? It, it's not for the lazy. It's not for someone who just wants to take on a position. Oh, I got a guru. Mm. Yeah, yeah, my guru. And where is maybe his picture of him on a button on your shirt or, you know, declare your membership to his so organization. Join the team. <laughs> yeah. No. So that's another thing. And number three, he must be practicing what he teaches. See, if he's not, he's saying this, and it may be correct, but he's living a completely different lifestyle, then again, that's, that's a disqualification. See? This line of perfect masters and, and so on is a line of acharyas. It's called acharya. And acharya in Sanskrit means teacher by example. 
He doesn't just talk. He's not a talking head. His life reflects his message. He says this, he lives this. Yeah. That's another qualification. So if you've got a guru saying this and doing the opposite, like I mentioned that example mm. in the beginning, <laughs> there you go. And I don't know, but 99% probability that this so-called master did not have a spiritual master. He was probably self-created. Mm. Or he had a couple of masters back somewhere that were self-created. Some, In other words, it, it wasn't in this lineage. That we're, I know it wasn't in this lineage. In fact, I, I know that. You know, I know that much about the story. So anyway, that's another thing. And then the last thing is much more deep, and it requires much more sincerity on the part of the seeker. And that is, one must be so sincere in his desire to really have a bona fide spiritual master that the Lord in the heart, Krishna himself, the Paramatma, will reveal to him, this is my representative. You can trust him. You can give your life to him. He will enlighten you. He has seen the truth. Yeah. The Lord will reveal that to you. And nobody can show you that but the Lord in the heart. Or if you're nonsense and you don't want a real spiritual master, you just want a charlatan, you want to be cheated or whatever, then the Lord knows that as well. <laughs> and so he'll give you what you want. You want a charlatan? Here, here's one. Here's another one. Here's another one. That's why these these people who don't have the real qualification of a bona fide guru can get so many followers. I mean, they have the most followers. Because there are so many people that don't want to really know the truth, you mean? <laughs> yeah, they want to be cheated. You know, it's a Vedic statement. This is always the cheaters and those who want to be cheated, and they always find each other. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at this guru who's got a million and a half followers and says he's God, etc., then you can see he's got no, you know, disciplic line qualifications. Yeah. He's not preaching what is taught in Scripture. I mean, the Scriptures say you are not God. There is no Jiva soul that is the Supreme Lord. There's only one Supreme Lord. See? So if somebody steps up and says, I'm God, that's the opposite of what the Scripture teaches. Yeah. Yeah. So again, he's 100% rejectable. Yeah. Forget this person. It's, but the guy's got a one and a half million followers. <laughs> How can he not be a guru? Yeah. Whereas you've got a bona fide guru, a real representative of the Supreme Lord, and he's got 10 followers. Yeah. Or 100 or... You know, a thousand or whatever. Yeah. And you go, well, he's only got a hundred or a thousand, and he's got one and a half million. Yeah. You know? And so he, he, obviously, he's the real guy. And he looks so spiritual. He's got the beard, and he's got the clothes, and he's got the, the he's from India, and he talks in this very, you know, he knows all yeah. these Sanskrit verses, and wow, you know, <laughs> he must be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's easy, you know, if somebody wants to be cheated to find a lot of candidates that would cheat them. You know? So it's uh, it, I have a quote actually from from our spiritual teacher about this, and and I just thought this fitted in perfectly. He says it's very important to understand that a bona fide guru never sees himself as a as a dominator or master of anyone. He never teaches that he is God or tries to take the place of God in people's lives. A guru is someone who is so filled with bhakti or love for the supreme and therefore love and compassion for all living beings who he understands are parts and parcels of the supreme that he sees himself as a servant of everyone and dedicates his life to helping everyone to find true happiness. There you go. And, and 
you know, like it was stated in the beginning there, he never sees himself as master. Exactly. He always sees himself as disciple, servant of his master. Right. And what he feels like, all I can do is, you know, take people who are qualified or seriously, you know, wanting this and give them to my spiritual master. He feels like that. Mm. I'm not the guru. My master's the guru. Exactly. Let me introduce you to my master. Let me, you know, pass you to him. That's his feeling, not just, you know, external playing that game. That's his true consciousness. No. I can't help you, but my spiritual master can. And all I'm doing is passing on his message. So it's his message that's helping you. And his spiritual master feels the same. And his spiritual master feels the same, and it goes all the way back to the Supreme Lord. Yeah. That's, that's a real disciplic line. And that leaves no place or, or interest or for exploiting anyone or for, for, you know, trying to get anything from anyone there, because that's not the role of the spiritual master. That's not his interest. That's not, I don't know how to say it. It's, it's not part of his world. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it's stated that the Lord, I mean, that this real spiritual master loves everyone. Mm -hmm. So in in the, the the realm of love, exploitation and cheating and controlling doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. no. It doesn't exist in the world of true spiritual love. No. But in the world of lust... <laughs> It exists everywhere. So that's why these so-called gurus have a, a wonderful opportunity to exploit people. Exactly. I mean, if you want to get in a position where you can really, really take advantage of people, get in a position of guru and people come and they surrender to you. <laughs> and they, you know, they offer their life and that includes their money. That includes their praise, that includes their time, that includes their energy, that includes their dedication and, and their willingness to do whatever you want them to do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the position a guru finds himself in. So he's in such a ripe position to exploit, to take advantage of, <laughs> you know, to capitalize on his position. And that's why we find all this stuff going on. Mm. It's just so rotten that the most, the most wonderful thing and wonderful reality becomes so tainted and perverted and, and used by people who, who just want bad things for other people. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> So that's that's why lust, which is their their controlling <laughs> force, is described by Krishna in Bhagavad Gita as the all devouring sinful enemy of the world. Yeah, you know, all devouring. So they just, just they just <laughs> they just take that position, and that's what happens. Uh. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Oof. I um, I, I I wanted to ask you about like how it, just to come back to that more on a more personal level, like how how it was for you. What what steps did you take to find your spiritual, spiritual master, and and what like what what was there a point where you really were praying for that, or or you know, feeling that, asking for that, and then you you came to that position, or how. I won't say I was praying, but I was definitely wanting that. You know, you can want something without just sitting down and, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what I wanted. And so I, you know, I was going through different, you know, books that different gurus wrote. And, you know, I didn't really have much to work with, but... I wanted to know the truth, let's just say it like that. And so I accepted some things as truth and some teachers as 
purveyors of the truth, you know, at that time in my development. And, you know, it, it at least kept the fire burning, you know, and I was thinking, wow, this is great. And, and I was getting some, some rewards, some, some momentum, some, some experiences that were very, very deep, you know. So anyway, the point is, it was desire. I wanted to know the truth. You know, I didn't want just somebody. I wanted the real deal, you know. Yeah. And because of all that, you know, it was a journey here, there, this, that, accepting this, that, another thing, reading and studying and chanting and, you know, praying to some level and whatever that brought me to meeting my spiritual master, Siddhasarupananda. And from the very beginning, I understand this is a real guru. I, I just knew that. Mm. See, that must have been that confirmation of the Lord in the heart. Mm. I didn't question it. I didn't, you know, run him through a lot of checks and, you know, observations. I just knew right then, right there, this is... This is who I'm going to accept as my teacher. This is who I'm following. You know, and I, and I, a, an amazing friend of mine told me it was the same for him. You know, the first time he and he had been on a spiritual quest as well, not connected with me. I didn't know him at the time, but we were running in the same parallel circles and journey, and <laughs> it was the same for him. He just went, "Wow." I just knew that all I have to do is follow him. That's all I have to do. Whatever he says, whatever he guides, that's all I have to do. And that's what he did. And he became perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Wow. So it happens like that for some people, not everybody. That You asked me my story, yeah, yeah. Mm. and that was my story. <clears throat> Other people, they're on the fence, they hem and haul, you know, they're right there. They have all the opportunities. They they can see and, and hear this message and observe and and they still just can't accept it. They can't they can't go there. They just go somewhere somewhere else. Yeah. Hmm. And and they ultimately I mean, I can tell you many cases, which I won't, but that people went somewhere else and accepted another guru yeah, or yeah, yeah. another whole teaching completely and so on that you know they just weren't the person who was ready to hear this and right, right. have this experience so they went somewhere else and they got what they wanted exactly exactly yeah you you, mm -hmm. you have to ask yourself that question do i really want to know the truth or do, do i want an edited version to fit in with what I already believe. And will I accept someone who has, who, as a teacher, who's already saying what I already believe, who's just repeating what I already believe, confirming that and great, <laughs> you know, that's very yeah, easy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the majority, just... right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he thinks like I think. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> I like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I say, unfortunately, that's that's the majority, you know. <laughs> and the same with this Bhagavad Gita, you know. This is, you know, just a presentation of, you know, the Lord and, and our disciplic line. And many people don't like this Bhagavad Gita, but they like Bhagavad Gita from some source that's not a qualified source. You know, oh, well, it's translated by so-and-so and... -so and you know, he has so many followers, and I really like how he presents this, and et cetera, et cetera. And so the bona fide scriptures and the bona fide teachers are just not accepted by the majority of people. Yeah. Yeah. But those who do, then they will receive the truth. And so it's, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. <laughs> that's right. Yes. But to know the truth, you got to want to know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And so, Ruben, I think our time is about up. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and yeah, because as if you then want to know the truth or to develop your desire to know the truth, you follow the process, chant. So that's that's yeah. what we're gonna do. That's what we end with. That's what we recommended to do every day. That's that's the that's the base of what we're doing. That's the yeah. basis. And we're we're not going to talk about it now, but all chanting's not the same either, by the way. Mm. You know, that's another whole area that needs to be looked at. And I understand these are pretty heavy presentations, some of these, you know. But that's what our position is, is to give people this information. All right, so, yes, chanting. And we're going to chant our normal mantra <laughs> for this podcast, and that's <laughs> Goranga Haribo. And if anybody plays guitar and just want to chant on your own, this is a one-chord mantra, <laughs> one-chord tune. <laughs> and the chord could be any chord, but we're using D. <laughs> You know, for you guitar players out there. Uh -huh. Some people sometimes ask, well, what chords were you using? Only one chord. <laughs> <laughs> simple, simple. <laughs> yeah, I just had that. Some person said, I he's a teacher and he's got some students that he's passing this information. And they watch our podcast sometimes. Oh. And, you know, he said, I really like this one chord mantra you know and he said well, I have one of the people who are coming and he's a, you know, a little bit older body and he's he kind of knows a couple of chords and I said you don't have to know but one chord <laughs> <laughs> just just play D that's all you got to know how to do oh, that's good okay
Sankirtan, congregational chanting. Always. That's the best. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Valakia. Thank you. Amazing. And another thing about Sankirtan, where does it come from? The simplic succession. Right. Who recommended right. it? The right. Supreme Lord Himself. Right. <laughs> And like I say, we'll have some discussion in the future about how all mantras are not the same. Mm. Great. I'm looking forward to yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. So and, um, just uh, just remember, anyone who's you know have tuned into this, there's uh, and this is I don't know if we read this part, but uh, this is in the purport of one of the <clears throat> verses that we read. <clears throat> Both blind following and absurd inquiries are condemned. One should not only hear submissively from the spiritual master, but one must also get a clear understanding from him. So, yeah, if you if something was not clear today, something that you're wondering about, something that is, you know, please let us know, and we're we're more than happy to, to you know give you the answers you need to, you know, for a proper understanding. So. Because, <laughs> like you said, Valakia, this might be a, a tough one for people or a deep topic. I don't know. So, and next time, whenever, bring up that concept again about blind following. That's very mm. important. There's so much to cover in in a short amount of time. But yeah, let's let's just touch that later on too. Blind following and uh, the chanting of mantras. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay okay good thanks <laughs> all right so thank you all very much for joining and of course we thank you Ruben we thank our Chintamani team Lava for his work yeah yeah thanks and uh, yeah we'll see everybody next time <laughs> and thank you Malakia <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, everyone listening and Share share the link you know if you like what we're doing let somebody else come in and like it too. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, do that. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, Ruben Haribo to your family, all the associates there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Haribo. Namaste, everybody. Haribo. All right, like Maliki has said, please share the link, let your friends know, and you know that there's always an opportunity to join our email list so you can get to know what's happening behind the scenes and, and upcoming episodes. And uh, you can also make mini donations through Patreon if you feel like contributing somehow so that we can reach more people with this, this wisdom and this life inspiration and guidance. So again, thank you for being here and staying out to the bitter end and looking forward to have you with us soon again and uh, until then remember to stay true to yourself and dare to break trade